This episode is sponsored by Rode Microphones, presenting My Road Real, the world's largest short film competition. Now with over $500,000 in prizes to be won, visit MyRoadReal.com to get your free starter pack. Hello, and welcome back to the Soundwars Collection interview series. My name is Michael Coleman, and this week I am talking with the composers of Stranger Things, Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein, and uh, hearing about how you guys first met with the Duffer Brothers, it was, I guess, kind of an anomaly. They knew about you, but you didn't know too much about them. What was that initial connection? Yeah, with an email from them to us, out of the blue. Uh-huh. Yeah. And at the time, did they even have Netflix at all interested, or was it still in the pitch phase? Yeah, they had they had Netflix on board by the time we by the time we hit, we were aware of the project. But I think mm-hmm. it's my understanding that it took them quite a while to to find a network that wanted to take that show, which I think is kind of funny now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What did you find was kind of the tone that they were going for? I mean, they were using one of your tracks for, I guess, this pitch yep. trailer, but. What was what was that first conversation? Um, well, first they, they kind of asked us if we were still a band or not, and if we were even interested in kind of work. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. We answered yes to both of those questions, obviously. Um, but I think it was it was kind of like we we like what you do. We know you can do kind of a spooky and an epic sound, but but there's a there's a you know kind of like a stand by me kind of kid centric. Mm-hmm element to this show so we need to we know you guys can do it we just don't have any anything that from you that sounds like that so if you could Mm. if you could send us over some stuff so we can pitch to the producers you know that that would be helpful and then they they had also given us some character descriptions and things like that and pointed out a couple of key characters that they wanted to have themes for and things like that so that was kind of our focus at the beginning is figuring out what kind, what type of stuff that we already had or that we, that kind of fit within what we had been doing was, was more in mm-hmm. with what they wanted. And then also getting some of that more lighthearted or sentimental music created. Or, I mean, we have a lot of that stuff recorded as well. So we were able to yeah. send over some examples like more like this or more like this. And then we were also writing, you know, original stuff that, mm-hmm. you know. yeah i think it really the moment that everything clicked is when we wrote some specific stuff for them for the themes of maybe some characters and stuff that's when it mm-hmm. really sold them that we could do do the job because it kind of did help to find everything that came later from the early demos that we just sent over to be like here's some stuff that sounds like film score ish yeah. so like mm-hmm. actually shaping that into like a aesthetic uh, cohesive sound the whole show did you guys feel that you needed to you know go out and do research or find new gear or Uh, how much time were you even given to even to make make some initial decisions about direction for you guys um, well we were pitching for a minute so we weren't we weren't too hopeful that we were going to get the job we're just i would definitely i was definitely doing research i started watching more movies just to kind of get an idea or movies and shows and just paying attention to the music more. I always, I always thought that I paid attention to the music and film, but I, <laughs> I didn't really, because honestly, if, if the music is, is doing, doing, a, doing a good job, you don't really notice it necessarily. You just kind of feel a certain way. And then maybe sometimes you'll, there'll be a few standout moments where you say, Oh man, that was, that was a really cool piece of music. But the majority of it should kind of just 
fall into the background and support the, the picture. But I definitely, I mean, I had no idea about film scoring, so I right. went out and bought like the Berkeley, Berkeley. the Berkeley textbook on film scoring from <laughs> whatever 2002 uh-huh. or something. Yeah, we both just like slammed that book. Just and we're like, book. yeah. What did you learn? Like, what, what what was evident that was mainly a different? Were other different approaches really to process or approach? Uh, honestly, for me, the most the most helpful stuff was just learning terminology so that yeah. we could communicate with okay. them about like. I didn't. I didn't know what a cue was. Right. I would have never used. Would have never used the word cue to we're describe out, anything. We're out here for a spotting session. Yeah. It's good to be like, hey, you guys are going to come to a spotting session, and not be like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. things have evolved since that book. Definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I was going to ask you guys next. Is you know what was your spotting session like with the Duffer Brothers when you went through episodes or you went through script? What, how did you guys decide placement of music? Was it was it something that picture was locked, or when did you guys start actually getting involved? Obviously, the project had been greenlit, so it was going to happen. And uh, how, how did you guys work collaborate with the the brothers? We were on real early, so we together we started trying to to find some of the big climactic moments or just things that were really necessary as key elements of the show, and tried to just tackle those uh, from from looking at script because it was hard to know like how long is a cue that takes two pages or something like that. Yeah. So, um, and it's kind of premature. To, we could kind of start developing the aesthetic, but it was hard to get anything that you consider score. Like, it's nice to work to picture. And we came on so early that we were doing a lot of work before there was picture last, last time. Yeah, I kind of, I think at that early stage, we, I was kind of we were thinking, you know, okay, well, there's definitely parts of this or someone's going to be a little bit sad. So if we don't know, if we don't know exactly what to write to, we you can you can kind of lump things into a few categories and and use those as inspiration. Like, okay, someone's probably going to get chased. There's, you know, they're going to get you know, there's going to be a tense moment, or you know, things are going to get weird. So we were building kind from of, a library. Yeah, like a, there'd be a folder called Pacers. That meant like, you know. Things, things that, things that made the motion, things that made it move, and they could be real simple. Um, and you know, there's then something like for like teenagers, yeah. kids, like or like just different stuff like that. And and with the, with all the trial and error of putting stuff in this, building this library, we were able to define what kind of texture and sound they wanted. Uh, not like not be like overtly itchy '80s type thing. So. Mm-hmm. And, and for you guys, I mean, what is your writing process? Do you write together, separately? What? How do you guys, how have you found that this, you know, writing music for a TV series is different than what you're doing with your band, for your at least for writing? Uh, well, we do both, um, depending on what, what the cue is or how important it is to a story. I feel like a lot of the, the more, the smaller cues or, or the more, kind of background stuff typically gets done individually. Not always, but a lot of times. And then some of the bigger cues, like the themes and the title sequence and stuff will be done together. What was the, um, the evolution process for the opening uh, theme music? Was that something that you guys started off with initially or when did that come into your guys' hands? Um, well, we weren't even sure if we were going to do it at right. first. We, and we kind of assumed that we were, but we weren't 
totally sure. So we didn't work on that until maybe we were at least a, a few episodes in by the time we kind of started tackling that. And initially we, we sort of started by mimicking the, or kind of, kind of using the, that music that they used in the pitch trailer as, as a direction, um, which didn't end up working out. They, they found a, one of these random demos that was a loose kind of skeleton sketch of what you hear now. And they said, you know, this, we think this could work for the theme. It was, it was just a, the sequence and some chords. It was pretty, big line. pretty loose. It had the mood of the opening, but it was, it definitely gave us a good starting point to take, like take it something back to the drawing board and be like, okay, I see why they like this. Let's try to turn it into something more. And so I guess we made like a 45 second, a 30 second, a one minute. Cause they, they hadn't cut the, uh, the opening sequence. It was all kind of rolling along at the end tightly. So, we just kept making different versions of that because once they found that demo and we sent back our first revision of it, we all knew that was going to be it. It's just in what form, what, what arrangement, right? To finalize it. Yeah, once once we made once we got together and made that initial recreation of that sketch, it was pretty evident to everyone that that was going to be the theme or the main title. Yeah, and did you have much interaction with the sound team? I, I had a chance to talk with them last August after you know, a little bit after the show premiered and a lot of the conversations and the excitement, you know, that the sound team had was that it seemed that the Duffer brothers have a really good understanding of building suspense. And, and I think something that I'd read about, you know, their direction to you is like, make this as scary as possible. What, how did you interpret yeah. that? What, what was it? What was it about that direction that kind of excited you guys? Well, with a lot of, um, you know, modern or like contemporary horror, I guess, or, or thrillers or anything. It's a lot of that's less musical and more textural to build that system, which is kind of, which is fun for us because we, we come from an, an experimental music kind of background rather than a traditional, you know, that's, that's where we come from. So while we love making melodies and things that are catchy and stuff like that, it's still really fun to just sit around and make really weird noises. And and that happens. Yeah. That happens to be very effective in film. So, right, like we, a lot of our sketches are just moods for that become mm -hmm. songs later. There's just a combination of the right sound and kind of the right bedding to create this mood. And sometimes that's that's really the foundation of what we're delivering on a score. At times, it'll have some movement to it, but it's a different type of writing, uh, and it's really fun. Yeah. The process. It's almost. A, this the preliminary part of a song at times, and it can be the final, yeah. the final underscore to like the subtle scene that just needs a, a movement to it. Is how is it for you guys knowing that the end kind of this is going to end up on TV? People are going to be hearing, you know, hopefully a soundtrack at some point, which is you know a fantastic standalone companion to the to the series how much did you think about dynamics or having a lot of the work that you guys are doing translate did, did you like were there any learning lessons about producing content for a platform of tv are, are there limitations at least for sure i mean typically there's going to be a lot less bass yeah in I, music <laughs> than, than for a record i think just because of the speakers that i had to learn how to mix to where like, cause I'm, I definitely like things to be dynamic where they have a volume 
changes. It's not mm-hmm. super compressed. So I was trying to learn how to mix with keeping like a lot of low end bass because it's a big part of our music. Yeah. Without over without that energy being too much to like just they just distorted all the flat screens I would play do my mix playbacks on. So it took a mm-hmm. minute to like figure out how to get that. That was like a new that was a new learning curve for sure mixing for that a little bit but were you part of the i guess the final mixing did you have a chance to give any input or was it kind of off to the races you hand off all your deliverables and everything's kind of locked and sent off yeah we weren't we weren't actually on the stage we had uh our our music editor um david klotz was there which he did a great job so we trusted him with the final mixes he was because we were still writing as that as that Mm -hmm. that was starting so so it was kind of a handoff um but i think it turned out just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Being a bit of, <laughs> yes, a lot of things are delivered as, as two tracks. Most key yeah. were, were mixed at, at home. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you have about 10 hours of television, you know, that you're composing for. How much material overall do you think you guys initially worked on that, that maybe didn't make it or, you know, that was um, new or even repurposed? The Duffer said their library collection in iTunes equal 13 hours. Yeah. <laughs> but there, I know there was some really long, weird, experimental, uh, like ambient, textural, strange stuff in there that lasts at least 20 minutes. Yeah, they definitely had some 20-minute tracks. <laughs> <laughs> but what are those tracks to you? I mean, are those just you guys kind of riffing on kind of a feel or a mood of a certain of, like, kind of something that you struck? Evolving drones and things, and you want to, you're like, you build it up, but... That was kind of early. We learned not to do that because most editors are gonna they're just like, gonna they're gonna, to the first they're gonna jump seconds. through the first twenty seconds until they find something that fits. So mm-hmm. best not to to deliver things that long because no one will ever hear. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like ten minutes in. Check it out. Check it out at eleven thirty-six, <laughs> man. It gets really good. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. So if you do so, like yeah. to write that way, which we do, it's kind of fun to just start recording and have, have a basic sound and some things going on that you can play with and evolve over time. If you are going to record for 20 minutes, I think it's best to take the moment that you like and maybe give it the same name and just give it a different, an A, B, C, D or something so that you know that they're kind of, mm. so you can at least where you know where they came from because sometimes that can be, mm-hmm. but I would, I think delivering something over like three minutes long is probably not a good idea. At least okay. you're trying to figure out a direction because yeah, this is preliminary stuff more than otherwise. You're just scoring to the exact length of yeah. the scene. Right. Are you are you done with season two? Is or are you still working on it now? No, we're about we're a little less than halfway. We're in the midst of it. Okay. You know, a second time around, what changes did you want to make in terms of? your process or just how you collaborated with with production were you able to kind of come at it differently did you learn anything from the first time through we definitely learned a lot the first time um i think mainly just with our own process and being a little bit learning how to be a little more organized um and just Mm -hmm. falling into some kind of patterns that we would you know because if you look at our old our sessions for maybe the first three episodes Mm -hmm. versus you know, yeah, yeah. the last three there's a lot of you know if we needed to go say we needed to reuse a cue or something from 
from one of those early episodes, we'd go back and find it and maybe be very surprised by the way things were done. You're like, oh, I didn't even think to label this track what it actually was. That would have been nice to know what sound I was using there. Um, things like that, you know. Um, <laughs> um, I think, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because we're still in in, yeah. in the middle of it, but this everything's running a bit different from last mm-hmm. time. So much time doing like so much early creative, um, whereas now they're they're doing the the filming and delivering. We got a lot of early just scenes, and now we're getting a lot. I prefer this season where we're getting director's cut because director's cut mm-hmm. don't change that much, and you get to watch the whole episode. So you get something mm-hmm. like the story art, uh, not in pieces. You kind of get to enjoy it a little bit more the way that a viewer would watch it. And, and, and yeah, there's, a complete... there's, there's nothing worse than there's nothing worse than being like uh, on. You you kind of watched episodes one through three, and then you get like the end of episode six sent over, and they're like, "Can you do uh, some music for this?" And you're like, "What happened? How did we get here?" This is oh. really ruining my you know. Any chance of me actually watching this show like like a normal like viewer would? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and uh, are, I guess those early cuts that you're getting are there? Is there temp music in there, or is there any direction? Um, some yeah, a lot of the times there's there's some kind of temp, and most of the time I think mo- yeah, I would say most most of the temp that we got was using our music from mm-hmm. the library, um, which is cool, uh, but. You know, there's obviously temp from other from other films and things. But What's your guys' initial reaction when you hear something? Is it like, oh, that's cool, or no, nah, this we can do better? I mean, it really just depends on what it is. Sometimes it's just mute it immediately <laughs> and just do something over like without being influenced just to see the, mm-hmm. the difference of what you would do versus what yeah. was placed in there. Um, if it's your own piece of music, you can always expand on it, but you don't want to get too influenced by 10 sometimes sometimes you're like whoa that's really good yeah sometimes they'll have it wouldn't necessarily be temp or i guess sometimes they would have other music in there and we'd just be like hey you should just license that it works perfect it works perfectly don't we shouldn't bother trying to write something there this is good yeah Mm. like towards the end of last of season one they started putting in some stuff which was really cool like they would use like a tangerine dream track yeah which on they would there wasn't anything there wasn't enough action to really trying to motivate the, that kind of energy or pacing um of driving since your stuff but mm-hmm. towards the later when things got more intense i guess um they would put things mm-hmm. like that in there it was, it was fun to to work with that as a basis and because you're like oh yeah i love making music like this <laughs> i guess for you guys now that you've been one time through did you find that you wanted to go back and i mean are you in, are you guys the type of musicians that buy new gear i mean like i think feel like modular synthesizers is just like an endless pit of possibilities so you know maybe what new instruments are you introducing this time around oh so, yes we, yes, we, yes we do buy we love buying gear um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. a lot don't have a lot of room for more okay um I got it for like a new addition to the to the studio for me season. I guess is I got an OB six, which I really oh nice okay enjoying great. I've had I've had other Oberheim polysynths that didn't have much control or or the controls were like an LCD with 
few buttons, you know, and like the matrix and stuff like that. So I've always really mm -hmm. been a fan of the Oberheim sound, but now I've got a polysynth that has knobs and it's more fun to actually create sounds with. So that's that's been nice. Yeah, I got some weirder, like, touch panel kind of electronic stuff that just makes, like, weird daytonal noise, little bucks and, like, like a water phone and, like, a dulcimer that you probably mm -hmm. don't recognize as those instruments when they've been processed and manipulated the way. I probably wouldn't want them to be recognizable as acoustic instruments, but mm. um, just weird, some fun, weird stuff. And did you did you guys ever get into any software synths, any stuff? I, I've even seen a handful of guys even find stuff on, you know, the App Store or, or you know, like the least expected places that sometimes get the, make their way into some, some of the music. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll use anything that sounds cool. Um, really like vocals, vocal synth. Yeah, there's a few plugins mm -hmm. that have some vocal sense stuff that we've, we've used on the first season as well and, and are using continuously that uh, are really nice. So I guess with the season coming out here, it looks like uh, October 31st on Halloween, just with even the, I guess, this the Super Bowl ad, the teaser, you know, what happens when when something like that gets released? What is it? I mean, even obviously like you're saying like, you know, it's hard to believe that Netflix or any studio, you know, maybe would have not picked up this show. What happens when people know that there's a new season coming out? How does that influence your own personal psyche and process? Does it at all? Are you able to turn off the phones and have, have your friends stay away? Not really. I mean, it's pretty much it's pretty much all anyone ever wants to talk about anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <Okay. laughs> I mean, which I'm not complaining about. It's kind of a joke. They're like, so what's going to happen? And just so-and-so comes uh -huh. back. I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I can't answer that, or I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. The answer. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, when I, I saw that trailer, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Cool. That looks good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird because there there's definitely a lot more interest this year, obviously, because nobody mm -hmm. even knew about it last time around. So I don't, right. it hasn't really affected me too much. I, I mean, as far as like when I'm sitting down to write something, it doesn't really change that at all. But mm -hmm. I, but there is this kind of thing that's lingering back there. It's like, oh yeah, there's like a lot of people that are really, really eager to yeah. see what happens. You know, it, you just it's kind of weird to be on the sort of the periphery of this extreme hit because you know, like all the actors and stuff, they're just like all the kids are just jettisoned into fame. Like they're instantly yeah. world famous. Like I remember Millie, for example, like when we went to the we went to the premiere party, she had like twenty followers, like twenty Instagram. followers on Instagram or something. And I remember like, <laughs> and I, you know, I took a picture of her at the thing and posted it, and then like started following her. I was like, oh, cool. And then she was like, I remember, you know, maybe a couple weeks later, she was like, I'm at four hundred followers. Thanks, you guys. And now she, I don't even know where she's at, but it's got to be in the millions. Probably in the millions. It's got to be in the millions. So amazing. For for all of the, you know, there there is this huge pop culture phenomenon of the show where those the people involved in that way are, are living a completely different life than us. But we kind of get a little bit of a taste of that. But we're so behind the scenes enough that it's not. Yeah. You know, it's just it's bizarre because you can say like, oh yeah, well what do you do? And it's like, well I make music. And you're like, oh what kind of music? And you're like, oh, you kind of don't want to bring it up because. But if you do, then, <laughs> it gets weird. If you do, then you instantly have a new friend, you know. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for you guys, I mean, have you been able to juggle kind of your work that you're doing on this and with Survive? I mean, have you had a chance to play as Survive uh, as much? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. have played so many shows this so year. We've, yeah, we played a, we're playing basically every festival this year. We okay. like, literally just got back. Um, we haven't been home much we were, this year. Okay. We haven't been home. We had a, a few, like, month-long, well, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. It's like literally we came from Stockholm, Sweden on Tuesday, went to Austin mm-hmm. for one night and now we're in LA for a week. So we've been we've been playing a lot. We were in Barcelona three days before that and then we were in London, actually the night of the attacks, which was really weird. Um, oh wow. And then we went to Stockholm and we came back. So yes, we've been we've been playing a lot with Survive and then just balancing that with Yeah, we with had writing. We've been writing a lot. Um, it's mainly the show and survive because basically Stranger Things and our our follow up LP came out at the same time. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so we had the duty to go tour um, to tour the record and do the. the and plus, the show didn't didn't hurt any of that momentum. So mm. you want to ride that while while you have it and yeah, sure, and do that stuff while you can. But yeah, we don't have a lot of downtime really. It's travel play shows and then go home maybe like clean maybe clean the house for a day and then start writing until you have to leave again yeah working on an album for a long time years potentially and then you release it and it's out and you promote it and in the case of stranger things it's not too different it's not like it's a a show that's being released over several weeks or months it's a one-time kind of release date so what what was it about what's familiar and what's kind of unique about the fact of this kind of like single day release well, everyone wanted a follow-up as yeah, quick as possible. Immediately. Immediately. Like, it's already done. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So you should have the next one done before the other one comes out, right? The, mm. the soundtrack, for instance, didn't exist, uh, or the score, as we an album. That, we put that together in, like, two weeks. Yeah. I the, mean, if I think mm. if, we were, if we were doing that our own way, it would probably, I mean, we would have wanted to make some of the songs longer, but in, in a lot of the cases... It just didn't exist for more than you know a minute to two mm-hmm. half minutes because of that's just we scored it to the picture and even though we liked the songs the the deadline was coming up. Yeah, and like the people have spoken, they want the score. Give us the score, and we're like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? What? So then it was just like back oh, in geez. the studio, like hustling out of uh, the the score. Yeah, we had about a week off. The record. Like, we, okay. we came we came to the <laughs> we came to the. Um, you know, we finished everything up, maybe had like, maybe like two or three weeks off. We got that all done. We came to the premiere, premiere party. party and then we both took vacations. The premiere party was on a Monday and the show aired on Friday. So once that show aired, it was instantly like, oh, no, you're not on vacation anymore. You've got to do all this press and answer all these questions and make a soundtrack. Yeah. I remember oh, wow. I was like, what's the maximum amount of time I have to deliver this soundtrack? And the guy was like, Two days ago, Two days ago. Yeah. and I was like, "Oh, geez, yeah, okay, all right." Well, realistically, you're gonna maybe have it by the end of next week <laughs> because two weeks. Three yeah, weeks. I think we took two weeks to get that. But that was really fun. Together. It was really enjoyable, actually. So, I guess for that, was it a matter of going through all your material, stuff that was used in in the film, and? I mean, through the, in the series and figure out what you wanted. And then ultimately, did you have a chance to go back and talk about dynamics? Did you have a chance to remix anything? 
Yeah, we remixed some things so there would be the way you'd hear them on an album versus fighting dialogue and effects and things like that. And yeah, we, right. we cause a lot of the stuff, you know, we may really like it, but it Something literally chopped off. off. It'll only happen for like 15 seconds and, and it just stopped. chops off and just stops like abruptly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we would, you know, find a few cues that maybe kind of work together and then kind of combine them so it made a piece of music that was more than just a 30-second cue. Some of them were turned into songs. Like, they had to be completed. Some of the longer ones, like, had to be kind of whittled down to where we felt good about the movement of the entire piece as a listening experience Mm -hmm. on an album. Uh, We got to put some stuff on there that was only heard for, like, 20 seconds so it's super weird and we're like well, let's put on it for six let's put the long version on yeah uh, so, there's a lot of editing <laughs> there's a lot of yeah we took the whole list and just x'd off a whole bunch of stuff that were like that's too short or that's not gonna cut it and then still being left with like 80 something cues we were like oh my god and so we laid them all out and we're like this is like three this is like two lps or mm-hmm. this is four lps <laughs> and we're like and then uh the label was like that's cool let's do two <laughs> let's do a double <laughs> and we're like seriously and he's like yeah and i was like all right <laughs> yeah and uh i guess so the soundtrack was released uh through lakeshore records is that right that's right yeah yeah okay and i just i just recently jumped on i saw is it true that there's a cassette tape also version yeah I, yeah i, I think so i saw I, some promo <laughs> I've heard I've heard a little oh, bit about that. I don't know any specifics, but I, yes, I do think that that's happening. Yes, that's happening. It looks like um, when we said, "Oh, it's going to be available only at the pop culture retailer Urban Outfitters starting July 14th." So if anyone, it's only gonna, <laughs> only available at Urban Outfitters. Every only year. available at the only place that still says it sells a cassette deck. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you know what's the funniest thing is when you go through, um, I'd say Urban Outfitters, maybe Barnes and Nobles, and there's maybe a few other spots, these retailers, or like Target, like they're selling vinyl. And I've seen the Stranger Things soundtrack pop up in these places. What is it like for you guys to kind of have, <laughs> really you know, I, I can imagine you have Stranger Things out there, but you probably also want Survive right next to it. Like how, how does one influence the other? I mean, a lot of times or in some instances they are together. There's like a smaller shops, I think. They it, made like, okay. they made one of the, Cardboard, cardboard promo things that had yeah. both of them together, so that was cool. We we're like, oh hell yeah, you got that right now. And then like the Survive record, <laughs> like Rolling Stone, Stranger Things. I was like, oh my god, that's yeah. weird. And yeah, then, but yeah, if I was like, we're gonna have a final at Barnes and Noble. That's just crazy. <laughs> so weird. When I saw the stick, I was like, whoa. So it did feel strange. I've, I've gone into places and seen it next to me, like when I was shopping uh-huh. at Urban. And it's like someone, like, will, oh. <laughs> someone will make a joke, your girlfriend or something, and be like, there it is. And it'll like be sneaking, it'll be like peeking over your shoulder, and you're like, oh my God, yeah. there's my record. Yeah. There was a while there where it would just be sitting at a restaurant or something, and then over here, like, blah, 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 stranger things, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, what are they talking about? Are they talking? <laughs> they'll walk into a bar and they'll have it playing on the TV, or like, oh my God, it's everywhere. <laughs> I was saying it was a bit of a shock. We just had like no expectations. Yeah, we were like, this will be and pretty cool. This will be cool. And then it just, we were like, what? Yeah, it definitely it's crazy. exceeded our expectations for sure. It's fantastic to have a chance to talk with you guys at a time where I feel like it's kind of like the the eye before the storm of season two. I mean, yes, we're, you know, several months away, but I feel like, you know, I, every day I'm getting emails and whatnot of, you know, it's like there's award seasons that 
are being contested and and people are you know anticipating and there's blogs and forums do you guys at all get yourselves do you get curious and go online and kind of see what what the rumors and whatnot are are no i at first i i tried to keep up with all the, like when we do interviews i would read them to kind of like fact check or, or things <laughs> sure at this point i just don't even want to bother with that it no i i try not to but you know sometimes somebody will say hey did you see this and then you know you'll look at it but i try to yeah. like, do my own research in that department <laughs> yeah got enough going on i was just wondering like you know for a survive i see you guys have a band camp where else can, can people go to check out the survive side of music i mean it's on all the it's on everything you know itunes spotify band camp you can get it from us more directly um well, I mean, pretty much everywhere. I, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even, I look, sometimes someone asks me for it. I look at my iTunes. I'm like, I don't even have it. <laughs> I'm like, whoops. Where, I'm like, where did I put those on? Probably need those files again someday. But. And how, I guess lastly, like, how is it managing just looking at some of the shows? You guys are going Chicago, LA, New York, San Francisco. What is it about having the two hats that you can wear going between working on the show and and being able to go out and play and support the the new album like what, what is it about that balance that you you enjoy well it's fun to trap or is it just chaos trap i mean it's, it's definitely a bit chaotic but it's obviously it's fun to travel it's kind of a weird way to travel touring that is because mm-hmm. while you do get to see all these places in the world you're you know maybe you get to see them for a day or two as most and then you're off to the next place so it's, in that respect, it's chaotic, but it's also really nice just to, to be places, to go see the world. Yeah, and and, and meet other people who are, who are doing similar things, at least like maybe not stylistically, but musically, they're working in this industry and, you know. Yeah, I've met a lot of really nice people. Yeah, like people. I, we've gotten to meet people like that we grew up listening to, you know, and that I would never expect to be in the same room with. And then you get to meet them and then they actually know what you do. And that's really crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So weird that they would actually know of your work. (laughs) Yeah. I guess what were some of the, what was some of the reception from, I guess, traditional film TV composers? Did you get much feedback? Have you had a chance to meet many of the folks who have been kind of, you know, we did actually been around. We at the Alice screen awards. We got to meet some people who've done a lot who are like, been in the business a minute and I mean uh, the of the people that we have met everyone's been really nice really sweet there's I mean there's a lot of people I'd imagine if if there's you know some more traditional people that weren't into what we do then they probably wouldn't be talking to us so most most of it most of of our conversations have been good I mean all all of them any anyone that we've talked to has has been glad to talk to us it's really nice to get that kind of feedback from people who are very academic or like well-versed and they're like classical people or their composers are actually doing orchestral stuff or they're they're also have synths at home in their closet and they're like oh man well, when I, yeah, or someone will be like you I, I finally went out and got a synthesizer that has a sequencer on it again <laughs> they're like i've missed those days and you guys like reminded me of like that or they're like I can't, mm. it's so nice to hear someone doing and representing what we remember so yeah. well and like, yeah. hearing that is like kind of an honor from anyone you're like well thank you because that's someone's like points out like yeah we do make music sometimes that is from a time before we were even born so yeah yeah that's great 
to remake it for the people who were around or were making and we've met some of we've met some of our idols yeah. even before the show we've like got to meet some of our idols like Malcolm Cecil or something came to a show and was like, mm-hmm. that was great he's and like you like, guys are you guys are carrying on the tradition <laughs> you're like you have the torch now I'm like okay thank <laughs> <laughs> you yeah yeah I guess people like the live live it's incredibly flattering I think when people are you know receive your work as you know something that they respect and they're inspired by what is it about you know, the influences that brought you guys into music that, you know, now kind of comes full circle for you? Man, I, uh, I don't know, but this is pretty full circle. So last week I met Clark, which is Chris Clark from like, what was he? Warp Records? Yeah, he's on Warp. Warp yeah. Records. Um, and yeah, yeah, I was like, after realizing, you know, I knew who he was and then he realized, he was like, oh, Stranger Things, like, man, you guys, did the perfect he was like that was just the perfect score to go to that show like i loved it and i'm like (laughs) should be honest like your song on clarence park was the first song i ever learned how to play on a casio when i was like a teenager yeah like i never learned a melody on keyboard or cared to like play a melody it was one of his songs that made me want to learn how to like put my hand on a casio and play the melody and he was that he liked my work and I was like uh yeah what's I, happening yeah I I totally geeked out when we were in Barcelona at Primavera last week and I, I saw Apex Twin in the lobby of the hotel we're staying at and I was just freaked out and I was like I'm sorry I have to come say hello you're what are you like hi and he was kind of like oh you know like okay another fanboy and then he happened to kind of uh-huh. be friends with with the guy, the dude, the guy who's doing his visuals. And we were worked with him a little bit, and so he was standing next to him. So I was like, "Oh, hi!" And then it was like kind of some validation, like, "Okay, this isn't just a total stranger coming up to me and talking." And then he was like, oh, "These are the guys that I was telling about the Stranger Things." And he's like, "Oh, awesome! We should talk about that." And I'm just like, "What? What <laughs> is <God>. happening?" <laughs> so. It's an interesting kind of place to be when you've worked on something that everyone, I think, generally falls in love with and really enjoys. And then they don't know the name. They don't know the people behind it. They don't know the faces. And so you're kind of stepping into a world where it's like you think people are going to enjoy it, but you don't you don't know how they're going to respond. So I can I can understand when you say that you don't really you know you kind of pick and choose who you tell your association to. Yeah, it's definitely not. I, I try not to mention it, but then sometimes it just makes things a lot easier. It's like, okay, this is part of this. <laughs> and then generally the answer is yes. And then, okay, well, it's like that. Or that's what we did. Is it ever the uh, the level of uh, trying to uh, get into a, a restaurant or a club <laughs> or meet we somebody? Did. I mean, No, that, what's would, the... that would be... <laughs> I did have a really easy time in customs because we just started chatting up the guy as we're coming back into the States. And he's like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. Oh, playing music. I'm like, oh, what kind of music? It's like, well, actually, we just we we just went to Poland to play this music from this TV show, and I'm like, oh yeah, what show? He's like, oh man, yeah. keep it up. Have a good have a good day. Is this guy with you here? All right, and then they just kind of wave you through customs. <laughs> okay, cool. That's so funny. Well, Kyle and Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your work on Stranger Things. I feel like it's going to be really exciting in a few months. 
when the next season's out. I'm not gonna really ask whether or not there's gonna be another season because I feel like when I was talking with the Stranger Things sound team last time, they're like, we can't confirm a second season, but everyone's really excited about yeah. it. So it's, it, I mean, I think that's just like the really crazy thing about releasing a whole show in one day, and then it's like everyone burns through it in, in you know, yeah. in a weekend. I'm like, all right, when's 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 season three? Yeah. Chop chop. So. Yeah. There you yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think October 31st can come any sooner. That's when uh, Stranger Things Season 2 starts. You can check it out on Netflix. And uh, thank you guys, Kyle Dixon, Michael Stein, composers of this incredible show. Thank you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good afternoon. Thanks again for tuning in and listening to my chat with the composers of Stranger Things. You can hear more conversations with sound designers, composers, and directors on the Soundworks Collection podcast on iTunes and streaming online at soundworkscollection.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, Rode Microphones, presenting My Road Real, the world's largest short film competition. Now with over $500,000 in prizes to be won, visit myroadreel.com to get your free starter pack.